0: So I was thinking a little bit about the national anthem. I know it's been a topic of controversy for a couple of years now. We hear about the black national anthem. So is this the white national anthem? I don't think so. There's quite an interesting story behind the National Anthem, how it came to be, and I'm not sure how many of you know this, but uh, to some of you, uh, you, maybe you do know this. Those that don't, I think you'll find it rather interesting. So, as you know, we're coming into Independence Day. That's what we all, that's what we call this holiday, the 4th of July. I thought I'd tell the story behind the writing of the famous song we know as the Star-Spangled Banner. The song was based on a poem called Defense of Fort McHenry, written by Francis Scott Key. The poem was later set to the tune of a drinking song by John Stafford Smith, and it was called To Anacreon in Heaven. Did I pronounce that right? I hope. And came to be called the Star Spangled Banner. In the, 19- in the 1890s, the U.S. Navy and the Army made the Star Spangled Banner an official song of the military. President Woodrow Wilson signed an executive order to make it the national anthem for the military in 1916. The song was declared our U.S. national anthem on March 3, 1931, by President Herbert Hoover, along with Congress. So, like I said, it was based on a poem, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna read the poem to you. It's it's rather interesting. It. Um, And then I'll tell you the story behind how it got written. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight. O'er the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. O oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave? On the shore, dimly seen through the mists of the deep, where the foe's haunty host in dread silence reposes, what is that which the breeze o'er the towering steep as it fitfully blows, half conceals, half discloses? Now it catches the gleam of the morning's first beam in full glory reflected now shines on the stream. Tis the star-spangled banner, oh, long may it wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. And where is it that band who so hauntingly swore that the havoc of war and the battle's confusion, a home and a country should leave us no more? Their blood has washed out their foul steps' pollution. No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave and the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Oh, thus be it ever when freemen shall stand between their loved home and the war's desolation Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land. Praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must when our cause it is just. And this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave. Or the land of the free and the home of the brave. You notice in there, it says, in God is our trust. That ended up being used, as you know, on our money, in God we trust. And from what I understand, that's where it came from. Francis Scott Key was born in 1779 and was a lawyer who witnessed the British attack on Fort McHenry during the War of 1812. I wonder how many young people don't know what year the War of 1812 occurred. Kind of makes me wonder. The fort withstood the day-long assault inspiring Key to write a poem that would become the future U.S. National Anthem, the Star-Spangled Banner. Key later served as a district attorney for Washington, D.C. The events that inspired Key to write his famous poem began in the early 1810s, when the United States had entered into conflict with Britain over the kidnapping of U.S. seamen and the disruption of trade with France. Now, Kidnapping seamen, that's an interesting story actually. We was talking to somebody about this. That what they would do when they would kidnap these seamen from different countries is they would put them in the British military. They basically got what they a term they called impressed. They got impressed on the British military. So they forcefully became British soldiers. The ensuing hostilities would come to be known as the War of 1812. Though opposed to the war due to his religious beliefs and believing that the disagreement could be settled without armed conflict, Key nonetheless served in the Georgetown Light Field Artillery. British forces captured Washington, D.C. in 1814. Taken prisoner was a Dr. William Beans, who also happened to be a colleague of Key. Due to his work as an attorney, Key was asked to help in the negotiation of Bean's release and, in the process, traveled to Baltimore, where British naval forces were located along Chesapeake Bay. He, along with Colonel John Skinner, was able to secure Bean's freedom, though they were not allowed to return to land until the British completed their bombardment of Fort McHenry. On September 13th, the three at sea watched what would become a day-long assault. After continual bombing, to Key's surprise, the British couldn't destroy the fort. And Key noted upon the dawning of the next morning, a large US flag being flown, which was actually sewed by somebody actually at the fort. And an interesting thing that I found out too is that the ships had to stay off at a distance when they were doing the bombing because if they got too close, the cannons in Fort McHenry could destroy their ships. So the cannonballs lost so much momentum uh, over the long distance that they tended to just kind of bounce off the fort. The British seized their attack and left the sea, uh, left the area. Key immediately wrote down the words for a poem that he would continue composing at an inn the next day. The work, which relied heavily on visualizations of what he witnessed, would come to be known as the defense of Fort McHenry and was printed in handbills and newspapers, including the Baltimore Patriot. I find the national anthem to be a symbol of how you can have victory even in the face of overwhelming odds. Due to the lack of education in in history and even revisionist history, many young people have no knowledge of the tyranny by the British Empire that resulted in the Revolutionary War, which led to our independence. The founding fathers that stood up and said no to tyranny paid a high price for our freedom. They knew that if you give up your freedom, you have nothing. The founders of this country were not perfect. Nobody is. a lot of people say, oh, well, they owned slaves and things like that. Well, yeah, some of them did. Uh, Back then, it was considered a normal thing. And even though from everything I've read, some of them owned slaves, um, they were really opposed to the whole concept of slavery. We currently see our country being attacked by enemies, both foreign and domestic. Right now, all we have to do to end this tyranny is to stand up and just say no. You know, like that phrase goes we've heard for years, just say no, just say no, just say no, I won't comply. In a quote by John Hancock, he stated, resistance to tyranny becomes the Christian and social duty of each individual. Continue steadfast and with the proper sense of your dependence on God. Nobly defend those rights which, heaven gave and no man ought to take from us.